0: Hello, welcome to the Wasting Time Podcast. We are on episode 51. Doesn't feel quite as special, does it, Chris? Now we're past, like, that 50 miles I know.
1: Well, we're going to have to wait until we get to, obviously, 100. So we're just going to have to smash through these next few ones, I guess.
0: Got, got some work to do, yeah. 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 How's it
1: going, man? You all right? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Uh, just recovering from a bit of minor surgery. Apart from that, I'm all right. Things okay with you?
0: Yeah, good, good. Nice to do, nice to do this on like a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, a bit of yeah, time. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sure. Yeah, much, much new in the in the music world. Nah,
1: no, so, just uh, a couple of releases I've been checking out here and there. Um, it's a band called Rematch, pop punk band. They've got a good sound. Been listening to them a lot. Uh, a band called World War Me, who I found out a few years. ago go i've got a new sing i mean i heard about a few years ago they've put a new single out which is really catchy i think i think you might like it's kind of like sr 71 meets early good charlotte it's quite cheesy but it's it's really fun um and then apart from that new bruce springsteen record letter to you that's good Oh of, yeah how is it i haven't kind of been I, I
0: haven't checked that out yet
1: yeah it's really good um the songwriting's just what you'd want from him um like there's not really a bad song on it. It's it's really worth uh, getting into.
0: Oh, I might I might get that on during my um, Sunday dinner. Do C- it, man. Uh, yeah, kitchen,
1: uh... yeah, it would be appropriate for that. I'd say.
0: Cool. I um, I see. Mest brought out a new video this week, which is um, a bit Stranger Things inspired. It was it's for an old single, wasn't it? upside the upside down Ups,
1: The upside down. Yeah, from Do... second single off this this most recent album. Yeah, go on.
0: It feel, feels like that was quite a long time ago. When did that album come out though?
1: It came out in January. Obviously yeah. a lot's happened this year, so that's why it feels like anything where any kind of media that came out at the start of the year, it's weird to think it was in twenty twenty still, if that makes sense, yeah. you
0: know. It feels like just that video coming out now just feels just a bit behind on everything really, isn't it? Behind the album. You, yeah. And like Stranger Things was very um two thousand and nineteen. Well before i guess years before that as well going back to 2016 (laughs) or something but yeah 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 i know what you
1: mean and and also i saw um tony tony from mest was doing you know all over social media with the countdown to the release and stuff and like he was going to do a live video and i i i almost typed it but i didn't have the heart to say to him like um this has been out on apple music for like 24 hours like you know (laughs) he was like doing the big like release but it was it was on all the streaming platforms they must Yeah, I was thinking. I've, I watched this video about six hours ago. What's this countdown about?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Talking about badly timed stuff. Obviously, we've got Alan Day um, from Four Year Strong. Um, yeah. On 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 this episode, but yeah, I, I mean, I've started diving into a bit of their their relate- latest release, which literally they were kind of ready to <laughs> go out on like- tour and.
1: Yeah, I like how you're delving into it after the interview. Nice, well, no, nice uh, <laughs> research I'm a, there.
0: I'm a busy man, but no, I really, really yeah, enjoyed enjoying yeah, yeah. a few tracks on there. Did you a like it, the album? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I guess you know, very disappointing from from his point of view, wasn't it? That, you know, that it...
1: Yeah. Well, as 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 he he'll say in this, like mm. uh, they were kind of just ready to go on that. Um, yeah, it, it. I think it is. It's like one of their stronger releases since. Since their glory days, if you see, yeah. you see what I mean.
0: It was interesting to see how um, impact he, he impacted he felt that release was by their lack of ability to tour, and you know, yeah. there's a lot of, I guess, another a lot of different bands maybe look at it a little bit differently with 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 releases, but I suppose touring is just such a huge part of their makeup as a band, really. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's clear clearly, pretty disappointed to not not take that on the road.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, yeah. I, it was it was certainly as, as the listeners were here, it was interesting to get into that with him and how yeah. he's dealing with that.
0: I tell you what one one thing after that after this episode that I completely that we I think we forgot to touch on was his work he said he was doing with other bands and production and we didn't really scratch the surface of that at all. No, do you know, we do did. You know, do you know anything that he has been doing with? Yeah, the I, 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 I,
1: did, I, you know, I got into you know a bunch of that prior to the interview, you know, ready to talk about it. Um, there was, I forgot what they were called. Now he was working with a, a pop punk band that kind of had it. Were a bit kind of uh, hip hop influenced, who sounded quite good. I'm just going to check out what they were called again. And then there was this singer songwriter. I'm, I'm cheating. I'm just looking at his Instagram really quickly oh yeah that's them what what they called one life to lead he was working with them they sound okay. pretty cool and uh someone called kaylin allen as well i think he was working with but uh, it sounds like he's quite active with them
0: um, yeah his production work which is pretty cool well there you go alan sorry we didn't ask you um but yeah yeah <laughs> um, well we
1: can li- we'll, we'll obviously we'll link to this in the show notes and uh you know mention we'll mention that in the the show description so people can check out um yeah the non-four-year strong music work he he, he's busy with
0: yeah nice one
1: should we just dive into it then yeah i reckon so mate yeah let's just let's get the show on the road. cool here it is um yeah so alan you're based in uh worcester massachusetts right um Um, well that's where i grew up
2: now i'm yeah i'm like Forty minutes west of Worcester, in a like farm town. Uh, me and my wife have a farm out here.
1: Yeah, Be- Bellbrook, right?
2: Bellbrook Farm. That's
0: it. So what? Yeah. So what happens down at Bellbrook, then This uh, is it a recent venture, or you've been been out that a, a little while? Um, it, we bought the place about four years
2: ago, I think. Um, yeah, two thousand sixteen, Ju- June okay. two thousand sixteen, and. Yeah, we grow Christmas trees and flowers and we got chickens, soon to be horses.
0: And you had quite a big wedding venue as well, right?
2: Uh no, we actually don't do any weddings here at our at our place, but um my wife does a lot of wedding flowers and stuff honestly the farm's like mostly hers she does all the work and i just get to take credit for it in podcasts <laughs>
0: <Fair> enough. yeah <laughs> so you like part of your lifestyle there is a bit self-sufficient now i get do you kind of grow your own stuff and
2: well we, we don't grow a lot of food um but we this year we did start to grow our own food i think in because of all the covid stuff when when first stuff when stuff first locked down we were like trying not even to go to the grocery store like we went like like a month and a half without going out of the house really so like <laughs> yeah so we started to it, it was it was an interesting time i mean it obviously it still is but when it first happened it really was like even scary to go out like we were getting groceries and like wiping everything, every individual item down with like Lysol wipes before we put, before
0: we even brought it in the house. And, you know, it was, it was weird. Is it quite rural where you are? Is it, I guess, does that play into a little bit of your, uh, I guess, being away from what's going on a little bit more, the anxiety era that comes with it a little bit and COVID and.
2: Well, honestly, I feel like maybe it's the opposite, the opposite. Like, Well, at first, yes, like not being around anyone and not seeing anybody and and only staring at my phone about how bad everything is. It was just like, yeah, just like, let's keep staying away from everybody. But the long term effects of it is that honestly, life is relatively normal here because you know i'm not stopped from living my everyday life of going outside and feeding the chickens and taking my dogs on a walk and working on the farm and you know recording music in the studio and doing all these things that i would be doing on a normal at home day you know as opposed to i i have a sister who lives in los angeles and it's so crowded there that like you kind of were forced to just not do the things that you always do like the lifestyle there is just different where like most meals you eat you go out and you meet with friends and you do this and like like it's not all done at home pretty much when i'm home i'm always at home and that really hasn't changed um but at first yeah like being a little secluded and just staring at my phone made it like oh fuck we we can't go anywhere (laughs) it's fucked up out there (laughs)
1: right
0: did did you have much in the way of kind of plans um with four years strong before before things kind of
2: Oh boy, did we have plans. Yeah, we put uh, out a new record at the end of February, right literally hmm, the the yeah, record yeah. came out February 28th and that was the first day of a tour. Um and we got 8 shows into the tour before it got canceled. And Where the-
0: where were you when when that kinda Uh
2: well the last show we played, it was a weird situation because it everything shutting down happened really quickly. Like right. um In the States anyway, you know, like we knew, we all knew COVID was a thing, but like literally the first week of that tour, we were like doing signings at our merch table. We weren't, no one's wearing masks. Like everything was relatively normal. You had the idea in your head of like, maybe I should wash my hands before I eat, you know, but that was kind of the extent of it. And then the last show we played was in North Carolina, but we had no idea it was going to be the last show because... Then we had a day off after that. And then the following show that was scheduled was in Atlanta, Georgia. And we had a whole day off where we had no idea if we were going to continue the tour or not. So we spent the whole day off being like, hmm, I wonder if we're going to play tomorrow. And then the, the morning of the show is when we got word that like, nope, the rest of the tour is canceled. We're going home. And it was, yeah, it was rough. And at that point, it was like, hopefully, like yeah, this tour's kind of it. Not not necessarily, oh, well, this is the last show you're going to play for maybe close to two years. Who knows? Yeah. You know? Because there's really no end... Yeah, there's no end in sight for... Because it's kind of the worst-case scenario, right? Like, right. Like, live music, live entertainment, like, a bunch of people crowded in a small room, sure. you know, it's and, and jumping on each other, and, she, like, it's just...
0: Yeah. We, I mean, we... Kind of starting to introduce these these socially distanced concerts, and we were hosting a a load of uh, they were kind of festival festival type concerts here. Frank Turner was was doing one, there's if you know, a few other big kind of UK artists on the bill, and they were just doing them kind of back to back. And you had your your pods like where you could book a pod with like two, four, six people, um, and <laughs> it's weird, weird as fuck, but. Um, yeah, that, but there's certain that, there's certain kind of now. music, yeah, and yeah. there's certain
2: kinds of music that I feel like that could work. And Frank Turner might be one of those. Where it's yeah, like, yeah, the f- yeah. Where where I don't know. I, I mean, if you're blasting this... through
1: brain pain, it's not going to be yeah. the same, is it? You know?
2: <laughs> yeah, the music was never intended for someone to be separated course, from everyone cell. else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, the, the the music was written with the attention of, like, a bunch of people crowded in a room and, like, right. reacting to it and, and engaging in it and and interacting with each other and with us. And, like, that's that's what... I think this whole genre is, is based upon is this like inner level of interaction and intimacy within, with, between the, the artist and the, and the audience, but you literally can't have that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. How, how are you dealing with like where it is at the minute and you know, the prospect of, you know, potentially having what, you know, two years of not being able to do it. Are you, are you coping with that? Okay. At the minute. I mean, I'm telling
2: myself, yes. Right. But um, it's 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 a rough place. It, it's hard. I've been trying really hard not to let it affect me too much because I know a, a few things. One, there are people that are affected in w- significantly worse ways than I am. So it's hard for me to play the victim here, right? Um, and on top of that, there are there are plus sides to being able to like covid aside there's no really plus side to that but uh the plus side to not being on tour is being around my wife and my dogs and being home and and getting to focus on on other things that I I I wish I would be able to have more time to focus on like like um I have a recording studio and I've been doing a lot of remote um production with bands all around the world which is something that I haven't that isn't necessarily always easy to do with my busy touring schedule, and um, but yes, the the I it is really hard for me specifically with the album having come out because it was our it is I I can speak for the whole band when I say it's right. our favorite piece of music we have ever written and something that mm-hmm. we were more inspired by more inspired than we have been in years and like excited we felt like we were fucking kids again like when we first started the band and it was like this rebirth of excitement and for us and we were like all in to like give this record of like we had tours and Mm -hmm. we were just like we were really engaged which is the first time we have been in a while um and so just having that come to a screeching halt has been pretty rough and to think that it could be a couple years before we get to play these songs live and 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 all that stuff it almost feels like we'll probably have to put out new music by the time we need to go on we're going to go on tour again sure. or else and, and then new music is a good thing right because it'll um it, it it'll be just be good for people to be on people's minds, you know, because we release new music, but then there's the, like, worry that this record that we put so much into emotionally just gets, like, fucking buried in, in obscurity, you know?
0: I mean, we've seen quite a lot of bands doing their, um, you know, kind of online kind of shows. Is that something you've, you've talked about or considered at all?
2: Yeah, yeah, we're, we're working on trying to figure that out for um sometime at the end of this year um but it's we're as a band probably the worst um at like organization and like (laughs) we're really really good at procrastinating and leaving things till the very very last second so like (laughs) of course here we are in 2020 the worst fucking year ever for the music industry arguably and here we are pretty much at the end of it and we still haven't done shit but hopefully by the end of it we will
0: (laughs) so i mean obviously you've got your you've got your i guess your hands full a little bit and you keep yourself occupied with with what you do kind of on your farm what what are the other guys um kind of up to outside of the the band stuff uh well dan has
2: two kids so he's dealing with the whole all the COVID restrictions in an entirely different way than everyone else because he's having to homeschool his kids and like you know that eats so, up so your a lot skills, of his time.
0: So your school's on on open at the moment then.
2: Um, it's I think it's town by town here. So like I the town I live in, I'm pretty sure it's optional on uh, whether the kid goes to school or not, but you do have the option. Um, and I think there are schools that are doing like, like kids only go to school every other day. So there's half as many people in the school at a time. And then the other days they do homeschooling. Um, but I'm pretty sure Dan's kids are only doing at home schooling. Uh, and I'm not sure if he chose that or if the schools in his town aren't open at all. I don't know, but yeah, that's that's keeping him pretty busy and i i can only imagine how like intense that must be (laughs) um but joe joe owns a um he owns this building in worcester that has like a coffee shop and a barber shop and ceramic studio and a skate shop oh nice in it so he's he's keeping pretty busy there so he has something to focus his attention his energy on and jake's um him and his father are like carpenters contractors and they like build houses and do renovations and shit so
1: he's keeping busy with that okay so alan the the way we normally do these shows is uh we kind of like do it like chronologically like talk through your career a bit um so you know we're not just going to sit here and just you know talk about covid the, all day yeah 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 um i go through you know just systematically the story for you strong but if it's cool right. with you like just throughout the timeline there's like a few questions that nick and i want to ask you and like if we just kind of guide it along like that is, is that cool with you yeah of course okay i, I suppose like just initially like you, you formed the band like around the turn of the century like oh one something like that um yep. like what how old are you guys sorry to sound rude i'm just trying to get gauge like I'm, thirty three. Okay.
2: So I was really young when the band started. I was a freshman in freshman in high school.
1: Um, yeah. So fuck, that was a long time ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to gauge it because so you're you're slightly younger than us. I mean, not not by much, only like a couple of years or whatever. But so I just I'm just curious to see what music you were listening to in two thousand and one, given that you're around our age, I guess. Um, I mean, at the time, I was listening to
2: kind of what started the whole years Strong thing, which was a mixture of, like, pop punk and emo kind of stuff. You know, I was listening to, like, New Found Glory, Saves the Day, The Starting Line, Midtown, you know, Get Up Kids, The Anniversary, I don't know, like, that world, but simultaneously listening to hate breed american nightmare converge the suicide file like you know
1: yeah which makes sense with 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 the sound that you guys went for so was that kind of like a conscious thing when you formed the band like you kind of wanted to blend those those kind of sounds
2: yeah yeah that was 100 the the goal um also because i was in a pop punk band like really pop punk like okay like the worst thing in the world um (laughs) It was me and jake and a couple other friends um and then dan was in a hardcore band right and he wanted to start like a pop punk emo band and the person that was also in his band his brother was one of me and jake's best friends so he was like i don't know my my brother's friends are are in a pop punk band why don't we ask them if they want to join and that was kind of the start of it. And then we kind of just like blended. It's funny because at the first like generation of four years strong, it was very much kind of the four years strong that people know, which is like pop punk mixed with like hardcore mm-hmm. influences. But at the time in 2001, it just, it didn't, it didn't click. Like people, yeah. I don't people didn't really get it. Also, we like were, just playing locally it wasn't like the whole world didn't understand us you know it wasn't <laughs> right. it wasn't that yet but like even locally it didn't make sense and we would just kind of end up leaning we ended up kind of shifting that and then we put out like four songs it had to have been like 2002 or 2003 that basically just sounded like taking back sunday or like right. for seems forever you know it was just very <laughs> it was more on the emo side of things yeah, without really yeah. any hints of heavier elements and that that you know locally that went pretty well and and we kept playing and kept growing our fan base a little bit but then we just kind of kept steering back towards wanting to be heavier and then eventually i guess people liked it
0: <laughs> so so you are, you i mean you kind of did the whole the D- demos, early days, but I mean, we spoke to to Rob Pitt uh, actually last month. He came on and chatted to us. Um, we talked about you briefly. Where, when did he start to get in, get involved, and kind of s- see you guys and uh, he, with the Ice Surrender? Oh.
2: Yeah, we we ended up. I think we sent pro- these demos we're talking about. We probably sent to Rob because we were huge Midtown fans at the time, and we knew he had a label. And you know, we, we sent stuff to like Drive Through and Victory and you know all our, all the labels that we liked yeah. Equal Vision,
1: Usual all suspects. that shit.
2: Yeah, um, and then Rob was one of the only people that got back to us, and this was like way way early on, and it was a like, well, I I respectfully declined, but keep it up, you know.
1: Oh, okay, um, okay.
2: Yeah, and then we did. We just kept going, and then at some point. When we started to get a little bit more traction regionally, he—I think—he ended up reaching back out and was like,
0: "Oh, okay."
2: I—I um, I could be remembering that wrong. Maybe we did reach out again. I don't really remember, but, um, but we played a show in New York City, and and Rob came out. Kind of like it wasn't really a showcase like that, but. It kind of was because there wasn't a ton of people there other than yeah. like a couple people from labels that we were like trying to play for okay um and we ended up hitting it off with rob and um yeah he, i mean he's great and that was probably in at that point that was probably 2000 2005 2006
1: okay so around about the time he was probably shifting to work on the label as oh yeah been for breaking sure around Mid- that time
2: yeah, mid midtown was definitely either already broken up or very right. close to um by the time we were working together and um yeah, man, we love Rob. So, he's the best. Yeah, he's, a, he's a good guy. <laughs> yeah, he's nice. So
0: did um I mean did you have kind of obviously you released Rise or Die Trying with Rob's label I surrender. Did you did you have kind of some of that written already before you kind of signed with him? Is it kinda of good to go or did that kinda of happen later? uh no
2: we had a, a bunch of the songs because you know that was our first like real full length so it was mm-hmm. yeah. it was us you know compiled those songs that had you know songs that were written for the album but also songs that we had been living with for years at that point like um or and kind of frankenstein versions of older songs and stuff like that yeah. but so some of it existed before rob was in the picture but Um, no, we, we started recording the album, like, while being on I Surrender. Um, I think, I think he heard some demos we had done for, like, what ended up getting us signed were demos that we had done for Bada Bing with a Pipe, um, Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Hell, and so uh what is it called rectum damn near killed him. i think those were the ones that we had recorded um and we had already previously bef- that was like in one recording session we did with this guy shep goodman who's a, who, who i still talk to like fairly regularly he's a great guy okay. he um he was our, our i guess fast forward quite a bit we did early demos with him before we were signed to i surrender later on he ended up being our A and R guy at Universal when we got signed with Universal. But anyway, we recorded these demos with Shep, um, and we had previously um, already recorded in another scenario up in Canada um, with a friend of ours, Dean Christu, who now has done all the like. He does a lot of heavier bands now, like he does like Parkway Drive and shit like that. Um, but this was in like two thousand six i think we recorded uh heroes get remembered legends never die and like some some old versions that had been entirely reworked for like maniac and the takeover um Mm -hmm. just like so so yeah there was all these things that kind of hybrid like kind of got created into this album that we made after working starting to work with rob
0: i was going to say well i mean after rise or die try and you released that i mean is that when you really started to kind of feel that you were picking up some real steam because i assume that's when you uh you started to kind of come over to europe and and what have you did you i mean did it really start to accelerate from there oh yeah that was yeah that
2: once that record came out it was kind of the, well, starting to work with Rob in the first place was kind of what like started kicking things into gear. Cause he was just, he's such a, like a, like balls to the wall, like w- hardworking guy. And like, once we started working together, it was so much less of us still being now, like kind of how I described us being procrastinators and just like really disorganized, like we're the same now as we were then <laughs> you know okay, yeah. it, like nothing has changed and we've just had people like rob to cover our ass and get us through all that bullshit. um but yeah like he he had like he was involved in like making rise that Dead trying not necessarily from a creative standpoint of like writing the songs but very much creatively like helping inspire like you know the track listing and the the marketing and the you know he he was very hands-on um with that and when the record came out we at the time were on tour with the starting line which was our first which was our first like big at the time felt like the biggest fucking thing in the world because also they are one of our favorite bands um um sorry i don't know if you can hear my chickens <laughs> yeah, we can it's, it's, uh, it's a
1: nice added touch
2: yeah so yeah i got a window open it's a nice day. um but yeah we were on tour with the starting line and our album came out and it just kind of worked i was the thing is with Four Your Strong, it was never really like a big moment of like, wow, we've made it. It was always this kind of slow burn and like right. things were always just a little bit better than before. And a little bit, every tour we did was just a little bit better. The crowds were a little bit more responsive. The, Like, like it was never really a big spike. I, I mean, I guess in comparison to the years of demoing and playing local shows to Rise or Die to Try and Came in coming out, that was probably the biggest spike, but... From there on, it was just a gradual uptick in, right, right. in things. And, and, and really never up until one point in our career did things kind of like take a drastic downfall. But, so what,
0: what, was your, what was your first experiences with the, with the UK then? What, at what point? Um, yeah. my, our so first I,
2: experience was we came over and played um, Give It a Name Festival. Oh right, okay, okay. Yeah, th- yeah, that was our very first time overseas. Um, it was, and and we ended up doing the Give It a Name tour. Um, All right.
1: So who was on on that at that time?
2: It was it was us, um, Megan, Dia. Oh yeah, yeah. M- Mayday Parade and the Color Fred. Okay. Which is Fred from Taking Back Sunday?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, yeah.
2: Um, and we all played like the festival, which I think the headliner, the day we played was 30 Seconds to Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the tour was like kind of like a small club thing. Um, and the four of us shared a bus and it was like, one, it was the first time we ever had a bus. So it was like exciting. But also at the same time, it was the most crowded thing because right. we had so many people in crammed into one bus. Yeah. But, yeah, that was great, honestly. That tour was amazing.
1: <laughs> and was that the f- your first time in the UK slash Europe personally? Oh, yeah. Or- oh, wow. Yeah, okay. yeah. The only time I've... E- honestly, maybe still to this
2: date, the only time I've ever traveled internationally is with the band.
1: Right, okay. Oh, wow, okay. Um, yeah.
2: I mean, other than Canada, maybe? But Right, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was my first time, like... I, we had we had toured the states so I, I i had traveled um and like known what it was like to be on tour so it wasn't necessarily this brand new lifestyle change yeah. but like but it was exciting to be in such a new place especially because then and still to this day it's one of our it's one of our bigger markets in the world like um so like from then and still now it's one of some of the best shows we ever play are in the uk so okay. it was exciting it was very exciting for that reason like yeah, we we're yeah, doing yeah. pretty well in the states and then we flew to this new country and all of a sudden we're like oh shit people like us here too that's
1: <laughs> pretty sweet yeah it's definitely been a big following for you since those days what were what some of your favorite uk cities to play oh, apologies I mean, to our american listeners but yeah, yeah, it's yeah. UK century,
2: well but anyway yeah i mean i know this is probably cliche but it's just London shows are always insane.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: but really, I don't know, Manchester's always
0: awesome. You were due at uh, Dunk this year, weren't you? Um, yep. Uh, and it's been, you're due here next year if it goes <laughs> ahead. If it, yeah. 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 I big, would if, think that, big if,
2: big if. Well, yeah. big if, but I'm hoping, I'm crossing my fingers hoping because um, the the word on the street is that or i really it's not really word on the street but the hypothetical idea is that maybe outdoor shows will happen first like Mm -hmm. of all the types Mm -hmm. of touring outdoor festivals are like the first thing it's the same thing it's like like why would an outdoor festival not be able to happen i i have a a house on cape cod my family does and We we have a little private beach area, so so we were socially distancing really nicely, but with, it's right next to the public beach, and it was mm-hmm. just as fucking just gyms, packed as yeah. as any mm-hmm. other summer. So I saw that, and I was like, "This is so frustrating that like this yes. is just allowed to happen." But I'm not allowed to play music to people, you know? It's mm-hmm. it, it's frustrating. Yeah, I but but I, but I understand, especially the, like the indoor close quarters, like. Literally, like, touching and sweating on each other is terrible. But, um, yeah, that's why I'm hearing maybe outdoor festivals could happen in the summer, spring, summer. I don't know. But there's, well, no, there's really no I mean, way to know.
0: If, it, if that is your first return back to the UK, then it'll, I'm sure it'll be a, a pretty good one if it's slam dunk anyway. Be sure. Yeah, oh, man. Cause that,
2: yeah, that festival has really, like, really... Been amazing since day one, but it's grown so significantly since the first time we played it. Definitely. Yeah, and you played it a few times now, I think, haven't you? Yeah, probably at least like five times. Right. Yeah. Four or five, maybe, maybe even more. I don't know. I lose track of how many shows I've played, but um, yeah, I really hope that fucking happens it would be a lot of fun especially because if it does happen what is it may that's probably the very earliest any shows will be happening if it were to happen so it would be like one of the first things so you know people will be like fucking champing at the bit ready to fucking go you know yeah so it'll probably be really great
1: yeah sorry just jumping jump jumping forward in this timeline thing again (laughs) um obviously you did the the cover record um yep which was a lot of fun because it was a lot of, obviously, 90s sort of uh, pop rock or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm just curious, out of those songs, which, which were the ones that you were keen to do? Which which ones did you push for? Which were the bands that you grew up on that, that you were pleased to cover or whatever? Well,
2: it was kind of a, a joint effort. I don't know if there's any that like I specifically oh, okay. fought for, but... Right. Uh, we did when we were making that. We we had a list of like a hundred songs that we were like in the yeah, studio yeah. saying like, what about this one? And like, yeah, yeah. I, I I remember I would be on the drum kit and Dan would be on the guitar and we would just like come up with some quick shitty version of like what would yeah. it sound like if Four Strong played that song and whatever. And we kind of just like make made notes of which ones actually felt good and which ones were like ah that doesn't really work. Like we were gonna do a Rage Against the Machine song and then we started oh, playing yeah. it where, and we were like. I don't know. Rage Against the Machine is just so much better than us that
1: <laughs> like this just doesn't work. What what's your favorite one on that, looking back? Um, I don't know. Well the one that
2: kicked off the whole idea for the album was Story of a Girl.
1: Yeah. Um I love a bit of nine days.
2: Yeah, so that one that one has a special place in my heart. Um but I don't know. There, was some, there were some others, like the She's So High. I really liked yeah. that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the Roll To Me, the Delamitri song. hmm Yeah. I that was, te- was te- so I was much telling- fun to
0: make. I was telling the wife about that last night. I was like, do you remember the band Delamitri? She's like, no. I'm like, ugh, oh, divorce. Well, they- help. <laughs> well, I don't know if does anyone...
2: That's such not really a household name. The song is like a is 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 i think if someone heard the song they would instantly recognize it but no right, one knows right. who sings
1: it yeah exactly yeah.
0: so um i mean just diving into kind of the universal kind of crack in the relationship right? how did that how did that come around and uh i guess start for you guys well it was mostly
2: because of shep goodman who i had mentioned okay. earlier that yeah. we did yeah. demos with early on um he became like an instant, like good friend when we worked together back in 2000, 2006. It must have been, or maybe before. I don't remember. I think it was 2006. And like he, we'd see him every time we were in the New York City area. He'd always come out to shows, and he was always a big fan of the band, and always had believed in us. So when he got this fancy new job being the A&R at Universal Motown we were one of the first bands he signed so that was exciting and mostly because obviously everyone has like horror stories about being on a major label um especially bands in the like punk rock scene you know like because major labels don't necessarily have a like a good history of like the underground scene right of course like they like it's just kind of an entirely different world so that's why they try and treat underground bands like pop acts and when they don't sell records like pop acts they get treated horribly and that's why all these bands have such um, horrible experiences but they just don't, I feel like labels don't always understand the slow long burn of what an, a small underground indie band well I guess it wouldn't be an indie band if it was on a major label but like but like a band that has a long-lasting smaller career like how how much how important that can be as opposed to like a one-hit wonder scenario you know um, but anyway we had a amazing experience at Universal Motown because we had a longtime friend who was our our guy our NR guy and because he was such a longtime fan and friend of the band he kind of created this team of people that were like champions for the band. And we got to know everyone really well. And like his assistant at the time, I literally still talk to. We, we texted each other just the other day um, and she still works at Universal. We just like our art department and our marketing guys, like we had this whole team of people that it felt like an indie label. Like we knew everyone by name. We would go into the office and hang with people and, and on top of that the album that we made together all the pieces fell together because this was enemy of the world that we did yeah, was our yeah, our course. first release with yeah with yeah. universal and like we had the bigger budget to do really great artwork and like i don't know it just felt like everything was kind of in the right place rob was killing it on the manager front and like I said this to him just the other day, and I think it was the first time he'd ever heard it. But I've been saying it. We he came up with this idea, him and uh, Gabby, um, who who own I Surrender.
1: Um, yeah, yeah. He he mentioned her uh, quite a lot actually when we spoke to him. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She's
2: she's amazing. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they created this thing, this idea called FYS Yourself, and it was a website where you could like put these little stickers on your photo and like post it on your myspace right you know and i i realized years later that like they pretty much invented like snapchat <laughs> right they invent like like this was so this was in 2007. no no no, 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 no. Yeah. this was 2009 2009 yeah. 2010. Yeah, 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 yeah. and it was such a hit we thought it was kind of not gonna lie at the time we thought it was a little lame because it was like pieces of four years strong things like like a shark with a you know a robot shark or mm-hmm. whatever and you could just like put that on your photo and like put a wizard hat on yourself you know like you could do all these things and then like it was a website it was fysyourself.com so it wasn't really even on your phone you had to do it on your computer and right but it the idea of it and and, and how well it worked for us at the time because it was right around when enemy of the world was coming out and it was like so much activity with the fans like online which was like kind of a new thing at the time and it was fucking snapchat he should have fucking made that a thing for everyone not just for his strong <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah no kidding but yeah so we had a great experience at universal motown um any the world was such a great time in our career because it was exciting and things were kind of just better than ever touring was great um then we fast forward to record two on universal Mm -hmm. which was in some way shape or form and not so much as great of an experience because when we started the album we were still on universal motown and while we were in the studio recording universal motown folded and everyone got fired Right, oh, right right yeah so then there was like a two-week period where every band that was on universal motown was in limbo of whether they would get picked up by the sister label universal republic or dropped entirely
1: okay
2: and we ended up getting picked up by the sister label but i think that was this that was part of the downfall is yeah we had a really great relationship with people that were kind of rooting for us at Universal Motown and when we switched over to Universal Republic it's almost just it was like a financial thing at that point where like the money was already halfway into our album but there was no emotional like attachment yeah that when the album came out and they saw it through and it didn't just like magically sell a million records they were like alright never mind so it was basically basically they would have had to pay us money, like, pay a fee to drop us before our contract was up, right? So okay. instead, they saw the contract through because it was only a two-album deal. Yeah. And w- one month after the album came out, they dropped us. Uh, okay. And that was their way out of like, well, we already started paying for the album, so we might as well see it through in case it sells a million records. And then when we drop them after the record comes out, we don't have to pay the fee you know, the penalty of dropping them before their contract got is you, up. Got you. That's, you, uh, that's my theory, anyway.
1: Okay, okay. Well, like, listening back, do you, like, musically, do you like that album right now? How how do you feel about it now? Well,
2: there was a very specific moment relatively recently where, yes, at the time it was something we were all incredibly proud of, and while we were making mm-hmm. the album it was a, a, a very exciting time because it were, we were you know, coming off of a very successful album for us, Enemy of the World. And this was, like, our next big thing. And we had, like, tours, like, headlining tours booked, like, before the album was even finished. And, like, things were going really well. And I feel like there was a lot of anticipation on what we were going to do with this new album. And we were excited. We felt like we were doing this fucking next-level shit. But then it came out. People didn't like it. Whatever. Fast forward to this was probably a couple a few years ago at this point but we were out on tour i think it was maybe when we were on the rise or die trying 10-year tour uh, or or something in that something around that time yeah where where we had this we were on our bus hanging out and just saying like we should play more songs from in some way like fuck, it's part of our discography right like really the only song that is sometimes in our set list is stuck in the middle it's the only song that's kind of no pun intended but like stuck you know yeah yeah um but um one day on tour we're like we should play more of these songs like fuck it so we put it on on the bus and that was the first moment where almost unanimously the four of us in the band were like wow i kind of get why people didn't like this oh, really? yeah. <laughs> like okay like yeah like there's no song on here that like i feel like it, like all of a sudden it felt and it's 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 kind of impossible to know if this is in hindsight knowing what we know now or or if it was more than that but it was the first time we we listened to it and heard the like lack of authenticity that i think everyone else heard even if that's okay even if that's why they didn't even if that's not why they didn't like it like if they didn't realize that the lack of autici- authenticity was what was holding keeping them from like enjoying it but that's what i got in that very moment was like it doesn't sound like four years strong and and knowing who i am now it doesn't feel like authentic to me like like i wouldn't write that record now like okay i also wouldn't write rise or die trying right now but something about that feels more authentic to me and like there are pieces of that album that are still a part of me where i don't know that there's as many pieces of in some way shape or form other than the experiences that i went through in that whole era of my career that's what stuck with me long term the experiences and like how it affected me and like but not necessarily musically you know what i mean
1: yeah yeah Uh, yeah i mean and and if you listen to your newer stuff particularly brain pain that that makes sense you know you can hear more of rise or die trying in it certainly than you can if uh, in some some way shape or form which which is absent from it so yeah i completely get what you're saying yeah but again the
2: experiences there is what kind of like we i don't know if we ever would have made the brain pain that exists if in some way shape or form hadn't existed yeah because okay i see what you're because saying. basically what happened in some way shape or form is we we didn't want to be four years strong we we thought that there was a version of Four Year Strong that we could find, that felt more I don't know if artistically pl- like satisfying is the ne- is the right word but like we didn't we thought the the road we were taking was lame we thought the like breakdowns in the middle of a pop punk song like we've been there done that mm-hmm. like that doesn't really feel like who we are anymore so we wanted to find that new us. Uh, And I think we were trying so hard to find a new us that it actually wasn't us at all. It was the us we were trying to find. Where the next thing we did after, in some way, after kind of disappearing and basically breaking up for a while, was the Go Down in History EP, which is kind of like what I've heard people call a return to form. Like Mm -hmm. It sounded more like Enemy of the World or Rise or Die Trying. And it's because we were trying to find that again we were like we were like okay we had this thing that people liked so we need to find in ourselves what that was and we wrote these songs that we did really love it wasn't like we were phoning it in by any means but we were trying to find the the version of foyer strong that had all the bits and pieces of what it did exist without trying to completely reinvent ourselves and i think that ended up being more heavily weighed on the Old for your strong than it was like the new for your strong to be, and mm-hmm. then the self-titled that came out after that was leaning a little bit more towards like all right, well we we kind of want to push the boundaries and 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 find this perfect version of like the rise, dry, trying enemy of the world for your strong, but also like musically who we are as people now, like bringing in influences that we actually listen to, because uh, if like. The reality of the situation is, Rise I Try,ing being the saves the day slash hate breed that we wanted to be, right. um, was very authentic to what we wanted to hear. What we like, if we would listen to a band, we would want it to be some mixture of our favorite music that we actually listen to.
0: Do you think you needed that kind of downtime to t- kind of discover that a bit, like? I, you, you, I mean, you call it a breakup or whatever, I guess, whatever. is Was that, um, I guess, a, a bit of a defining moment for you in terms of the, that next steps um, oh, yeah. for you as a band? Oh,
2: yeah, 100% because everyone had to, like, come home and get real jobs and, like, it was yeah. a very depressing time in my life and my wife brings it up every once in a while and says, <laughs> like, yeah, you were... You were not great, right? Like in that spot, because um, I had got my first apartment with with her at the time, and it, we we got the apartment on the very last tour we did before we basically broke up. And, and what, you know, what, I mean, was,
0: what what was driving that though? Was it just was it the like just I guess the fallout from the Republic drop drop off, or was it just a culmination of like just I don't it was, know exhaustion, it was the... exhaustion from touring and
2: yeah it was it was the perfect storm it was you know the 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 blowback from the album and feeling like like a lack of connection to our fan base and like we weren't getting any love from them so like there was resentment and um on top of that getting dropped from the label and then on top of that personal issues and yes being on the road and the exhaustion of like spending too much time with the same people oh, yeah. and starting to hate each other it was just like all of these things that i don't know if those other th- those other ingredients would have led to a breakup if ultimately the album had like blown up and been amazing you know but yeah all of it together ended up me being you know straight out of a movie like my wife goes to work all day and then comes home and i still am in my sweatpants and oh, i haven't man. really woken up and and like trying to <laughs> we always joke about that era because i like was so desperately trying to find like find creative satisfaction yeah. because i had this gaping hole in my life where music once lived that i was like painting and like doing collages <laughs> and like trying all these different like things to try like and she would come home and be like oh you 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 did that nice you know um <laughs> but then it kind of just got back to the point where i just called dan one day and was like we should we should probably just fucking do this again because like right i don't yeah. care about anything else this is what we care about this is what we've worked so hard at all, over all these years why like should we really be giving that up I don't want to be the guy that once had a band you know I want to be the guy yeah, that okay. like fucking lives this shit you know and was it um, a,
0: was it a, a unanimous decision all round or did, was it a bit of arm twisting here? And oh now? yeah I'm pretty
2: sure he, he was at his job and he quit <laughs> yeah he he quit his job I think that day that I called him if not like the next day yeah, and came over the next day to my apartment and we started working on the Go Down in History EP.
1: And then then Pure Noise came along and you kind of reconnected with your fan base from there really it seems. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, that went really well and it's funny because at the time we were kind of, we thought we were coming up with this amazing new idea that no one was really doing which was just we were only going to release eps forever <laughs> okay and yeah, just do yeah. do like and release them more often so it's like more mm. constant music instead of like the classic you know full-length album Two-year two three year cycle, yeah, cycle yeah. do it all over again and we were all excited about that and we put out this ep and we didn't get a lot of press out of it and things like that because Everyone's reaction to it, fans and the press, we did get and things like that, were Four Year Strong's kind of back." They put out the EP, <laughs> and we can't wait for them to finally do a full length. Yeah, like that okay. was kind of the okay. unanimous <laughs> response. So we were like, "Ah, oh, fuck! All right, so maybe we'll just do a full length." And, that's and it was true when we when we did, we we did the self titled that was just a lot more like it, it was a lot more apparent that like. We're we're actually back. It, yeah, like we're yeah. we're doing this again, and yeah, we we lived off that record cycle for fucking
1: almost five years. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. I suppose it was. It was twenty fifteen, and then only this yeah. year with uh, brain pain. Yeah, that's yeah. that's quite a big big gap. And yeah, we yeah. we really
2: got all we juiced that for all it had you know <laughs> yeah
0: and yeah, i guess you just fit in as much turn as you can do you i mean what's your obviously you're doing your own things i mean how do you how do you work that now in terms of finding your slots for for tours and well you know how do you make the decisions on on where you go and what you do from a from a touring perspective
2: well it's definitely more selective now than it was yes yeah. well you know in the early days if Someone was like, do you want to go on tour? Before they could even finish the sentence, we were just like, yep, we'll see you there. (laughs) Um, We just, like, we did tour after tour after tour. Even when my wife and I first met and we first started dating, like, I would see her, like, within an entire year, I would probably see her for one month. Right. One, maybe two months, because we'd go on tour, and I'd be home for three days. I'd go out on the next tour. I'd be home for a week and a half, like, I, I never saw her for more than a couple of weeks at a time. Um, I, we were touring easily 10 months a year for a long time. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the problem, I think, which it didn't in, end up so well in 2011. But um, now we're much more selective and try to be more strategic about, like, when we're doing things, why, what. But... At this point, I'm back in the mentality, like, if there's a fucking tour, take me, I'm going. Yeah, I bet you you are at this point. Right now, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know, I'll I'll do all the tours. I I don't want to say the world took that for granted, but, like, I definitely did take for granted the idea of of, like, okay, yeah, when like, like, that was just always on the table of, like, okay, yeah, and we'll just go out on tour we'll we'll you know promote the album or you know make a little bit of money or whatever the reasoning for the tour is um but it's just like that's not really a thing anymore right now
0: well it'd be good to good to see it kick off again and i'm sure you know and we talked about it before with other guests that there's the hope that when it does happen the appetite for for live music and for shows will be stronger than it ever has been for well I don't know. Yeah, just people to be, ready to get, get out there and, and be part of that again. You know. I hope so. I'm we'll hopefully it Slam Dunk. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Really, crossed my fingers on that one. Yeah. No.
1: Hundred percent, mate. Um. Yeah. Unless you've got anything else, Nick, I think this might be a good place to to wrap it up.
0: Yeah. No. No. Yeah. Thanks for your time, Alan. And yeah. Um, Alan, it's been been a pleasure. Yeah. yeah good no luck with the uh, Christmas trees. And uh, <laughs> thanks. Are they good? Do they go? Do you have people coming? chop them down and buy them for christmas is that the the deal or uh well
2: i mean kind of a long story i guess but we only you know we went over i only bought this place four years ago um, oh yeah you said yeah and christmas trees take a long time to grow so we started plant we we planted some four years we plant trees every year um and so we have probably a couple thousand in the ground now uh but probably a few more years until we can sell any of them uh because they're all really small
0: you could say they're four years strong yeah so, you could sorry, say that sorry i had to do could, that i know I'm really sorry.
2: i was i'm surprised i didn't get it before when i talked yeah <laughs> um but we do sell like pre-cut trees we we go me and my wife we take a our truck and trailer and go to a bunch of farms around the state and pick up pre-cut trees that we like previously had set up in like parking lots in worcester to like you know do the classic christmas tree lot kind of thing but now Mm we we do the same thing we get trees from other farms but we bring them here to our farm and sell them here Hmm. so we will sell our own trees at some point where they can do all the work and cut it down themselves but for now i gotta schlep around and pick up We, we get our trees from like four different farms um but yeah i'll be selling them this year socially distant and
0: you know <laughs> yeah christmas is going to be a little bit different this year but everyone still needs it still needs a yeah, tree absolutely.
2: yeah i don't i don't think my sister from california i don't think she's coming home for this christmas this year which will be the first time oh, in, in my entire society, life yeah. that I've, s- I've spent without her there but
0: you know it's it is what it is well let's uh, at least let's leave it there but um let's yeah, leave it thanks. there at that really depressing there. <laughs> <laughs> unless you got any other thanks, words of wisdom thanks, you, COVID, to you ruined my christmas <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll have to make the best of it i suppose yeah for yeah. sure is been. but yeah thanks for your time mate really appreciate it and yeah, uh no problem Yeah, stay safe
1: all right All right. cheers Alan. you too all right thank you for listening if you liked what you heard we'd love it if you could subscribe to us uh wherever you get your podcast whether that's itunes or spotify or stitcher or any, anywhere like that um, also, check us out on social media. If, if you just search for Wasting Time Podcast on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, give us a like or a follow on any of those. And also, we love hearing from listeners as well. So uh, feel free anytime to drop us an email at thewastingtimepodcast at gmail.com. Or obviously, you can message us on social media as well. But um,
0: yeah, we'll catch you next time. And we'll save On